we want the Holy Spirit to be here. Uh, Genesis 21, and, and by the way, I, I just got word tonight, there will be no drama. I found out, just pass that on to you guys. And ton of announcements, I'm not going to read commercial, but appreciate you checking out and being a part of what's coming up at Kingsway. It's God works. Genesis 21, 8 through 21. We'll ask when you find that if you will stand in our God's honor. The child grew and was weaned. And on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the sons whom Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, Get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, Do not be so distressed about the boy and your maid servant. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the maidservant into a nation also, because he is your offspring. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with a boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. When the boy, when the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down nearby about a Both shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there nearby, she began to sob. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went, filled the skin with water, gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert, became an archer. While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him from Egypt. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your care, even when we mess everything up. And I pray this morning as we look at this account, as we look at your servant and his wife, who, Father, um, Scripture lifts them up as God's friend and a woman submissive to her husband. And yet, Father, they cause some pain. Um, We too can be guilty. I pray you speak. Through the account and Holy Spirit, we do invite you. Because if you don't speak, no words that matter come out. And so we ask that you might be present and that we might leave here closer to Christ. Move us by your Spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. When I was a teenager... Like most teenage boys, I could eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. And I remember, I said, guys, if we look for a restaurant, there's the four famous words. All you can eat, you know. As I look at the account of Abraham, 
The four famous words have nothing to do with that. God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. We can trust God and we can look to him. As you look at the cross, there, there's that vertical beam that represents the fact of looking up to God. And then there's the horizontal beam that represents the fact of our relationships with one another. We spend a great deal of our life climbing up that vertical beam of the cross. We're, we've, we're loaded down with our sin and we're loaded down with our guilt and we're loaded down with our regret and we're just loaded down with our mess. And it's hard to climb up. And, and we're broken, but God in His mercy lets us climb up to where we can be cleansed and we can be forgiven. I love that, that verse in Psalm 103. That says, as far as the east is from the west, He has removed our transgressions from us. I mean, that's as far as you can get. They no longer mark us and cover us. And I love that verse from Micah seven nineteen. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. That picture of our sins being thrust into the depth of the sea, far away from us, where they don't touch and control us. And, and then, you know, the old saying, there's the sign right there in the middle of the great seas that says no fishing allowed. Don't fish for those sins and bring them back. That's our relationship with God. That's the vertical forgiveness. But the fact of the matter is, the horizontal side is much messier. God forgives us and God loves us. But the fact of the matter is, guys, oftentimes our sins affect our relationships with each other. And there's pain. And although God forgives us, there's still pain in relationships. There's scars that are left. Uh, for example, those who battle with addictions and the pain that comes as a result of those addictions. And God forgives them. But people are hurt because of that. And, and for years, they may suffer with drinking or different kind of drugs or gambling or whatever. I, I'm not into the list the point is just that people are hurt and God forgives, but there's some hurt to deal with. Or those who struggle with anger can just take off in anger to, to a point to where it just blows up and, and causes pain that can't be immediately fixed. So the vertical relationship, God forgives us, but many times in that horizontal side, there is a pain that we deal with, and I wish the Christian life was just like this, but I have found it tends to be kind of like this. Like, like the yo-yo of, God, I know you forgive me. Help me to become who you have made me in Christ. And so I don't make these same issues happen. And of course, the classic example is David. In Second Samuel chapter 12, of course, we know the story of David. He went up on the roof where he shouldn't be. Saw a beautiful woman bathing. Led to a chain of terrible events. Uh, not only where he ended up in bed with her, and not only would a child be on the way, but her husband would be killed through an act of the king saying, uh, pull back the other soldier so that he'll be right in the line of battle. And it, then there was, there were months of King David suffering with the result of that. 
with that sin. And it tells us in the Psalms that, that he lost his song. That, that he sobbed, that he was broken. And then in 2 Samuel chapter 12, the prophet Nathan comes to David. And he speaks to David. And, and he, he tells this parable about the lamb. And he says, you are the man, David. And David is broken over his sin. Verse 13, we read right where he gets nailed by the prophet. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. Hey, that's the vertical. God forgives completely. But the horizontal is just around the corner. He says, but because by doing this you have made... The enemy of the Lord show your content. The son born to you will die. And then we read up in verse 9 that there will be a sword among your family. And there was chaos that resulted in his family. There was a son that wanted to take over the kingdom. There was another son that ended up raping his half-sister. There was pain upon pain. That was experienced by David. Completely forgiven by God. But a result of relationships that brought a lot of pain. And and now we come to our account here in Genesis chapter 21. You have Abraham. He's 86 years old. He and Sarah decide they're going to take the matter in their own hands. Do something different than God's plan. And the result, years later would be a lot of pain. And we're going to read about that today. It's so amazing. As you look at the Scripture, the Scripture is so relevant. It, it speaks to the human heart, and it speaks to how we are as people. And in 1616 of Genesis, we're going to be sticking in Genesis now, um, the chapter closes. It says, Abram was 86 years old when Hagar born him Ishmael. And then in 21 verse 5, We read that Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. So, the picture in our text of Scripture, he ends up with a baby that's born and he's got a 14-year-old wild causing some issues. And he's got a wife that's very unhappy, a 93-year-old wife on the warpath. And he is in serious trouble. As he struggles with that. And and then as you go through the scripture here. In verse 8 it tells us the child was weaned. We don't know for sure his age. Probably three, four, maybe even five years old. A lot of commentators believe that would uh, more than likely put Ishmael at 17 years old. So he's got a 17 year old son that's out of control. A wife that's unhappy. And a lot of pain. Look here, and uh, as the scripture says, verse 9, Sarah saw the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abram was mocking. The picture here, it's kind of a play on Isaac's name means laughter. And it's a derivative of laughter to make fun of instead of laugh with. It's laugh at. And that's the picture here is this this young man, he, he, he he's... 
He's got some issues inside and he's taking it out in front of his family. All this attention that this baby's getting and, and, and how he's being neglected. And, and boy, as a result of that, his wife, Sarah, Abraham's wife, lays down the law. She says, they have to leave. In verse 11, this is the matter distressed Abraham greatly. Because it concerned his son. This is his son. It concerned him. But God said to him, verse 12, Do not be so distressed about the boy and your maidservant. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Now, this once again is a personal promise. This is not, husbands always listen to what your wife says. I mean, you should always listen to what your wife says. That, that, that's not the point. I'm going to get myself in real trouble here, aren't I, real quick. And in this case, he's saying, listen to her. Listen to what she's saying. You're at this breaking point, and it, it breaks Abraham's heart. There's no clean way out. And that's what happens often with sin. There, there's no clean way out. Uh, I read uh, about a guy, 50, 50 years old, 25 years of marriage, said to his wife, said, Man, how things have changed. 25 years ago, honey, we had a cheap apartment. We had a cheap car. Slept on a sofa bed. Watched a 10-inch black and white TV. But I got to sleep every night with a good-looking, hot 25-year-old blonde. Now we have a nice house, nice car, big bed, and a large screen TV. But now I'm sleeping with a 50-year-old woman showing her age. Seems to me you're not keeping your side of the bargain. Uh, he said, my wife, being a very reasonable woman, came up with a very reasonable answer. She told me to go out and find a hot 25-year-old blonde. She'd make sure that I'd once again be living in a cheap apartment, <laughs> driving a cheap car, and sleeping on a sofa bed. Abraham must have thought, what a mess. God, give me strength to be able to carry this out. Give me strength to to move forward in the midst of this pain. Talks about he's distressed. God gives some comfort to Abraham. He says, listen, your offspring will be reckoned. I think it's interesting here too. Um, Before it was, this is Sarah's maidservant. But in verse 12, he says to Abraham, your maidservant. God knows that he cares about Hagar and he cares about Ishmael. I understand, hey, this is the Middle East conflict. This is the Arabs. This is the Israelites. I understand all of that. But let's not take anything away from the fact that this was tough. Hagar and her son are forced to leave. A comfortable place to live. They've become homeless. And now they're going to be wandering in the desert. I just want to take some time to just show some compassion toward Hagar. Guys, this is the first instance of a single parent in the Scriptures. And I confess, there aren't many sermons that really focus on single parents. But there are a lot of single parents. And life is not perfect. And we aren't perfect. And there are a lot of broken people. There's a lot of single parents. They're just trying to figure out where to get the money to be able to take care of their child. 
or children. They're just trying to figure out the next decision. They just need support. They they just need strength. And so often, I admit it in, in, in the church, and especially as one who's married, it's easy just to be trapped in my little world. But there's people out there, and, and, and here's a single mom, and, and she was hurting, and, and she was headed out, and, and she felt alone as she struggled. A couple of scriptures uh, of comfort to those who were facing pain in a broken relationship. Isaiah 54, 4 through 8 in the New Living Translation reads, Fear not, you will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There's no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth and the sorrows of widowhood. For your Creator will be your husband. The Lord of Heaven's armies is His name. He is your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of all the earth. For the Lord has called you back from your grief as though you were a young wife abandoned by her husband, says your God. For a brief moment I abandoned you, but with great compassion I'll take you back. In a burst of anger I turned my face away for a little while, but with everlasting love I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. Sometimes we just need to be reminded we are not forgotten, that God loves us. In the midst of that pain. Uh, Here's from Psalm 68. Verses 5 and 6. He is father to the fatherless. Defender of widows. This is God. Whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free. Gives them joy. But he makes the rebellious live in a sun. Scorched land. Beautiful. How God steps in. Okay, let's read the account here. Verse 14. We pick it up. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food, a skin of water, gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and she wandered in the desert. She, she's wandering through the desert with her son. She's struggling. Look what happens. Verse 15. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Listen to her despair. Then she went off, sat down nearby, about a bow shot away. For she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there nearby, She began to sob. We don't even know what people are facing around us, do we? We don't even know what the people next to us sometimes are going through, do we? Here she is. She's broken. She doesn't even want her son to see her, so she goes off to cry because she doesn't want to break him anymore. It's interesting that Ishmael's name means God hears Notice the response here. It doesn't say God heard Hagar crying. God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven. I love this. What's the matter, Hagar? What's the matter? Do not be afraid. By the way, that is the 
most often quoted command in the scriptures, God says, do not be afraid. Why? Because we often are afraid, evidently, or he wouldn't say it. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up. Take him by the hand. For I will make him into a great nation. He's fulfilling that promise to Abraham. God says, I have not abandoned you. Verse 19 I love this. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. You see, she was so trapped in her despair, she could not see God's provision. Haven't we all been there? You know, someone has said the problem with the pity party is nobody wants to come. We've all been to that point where it's like you're just so trapped where you are and in, in your need and in your depression or whatever the issue is. And you don't see God's provision. But God opened her eyes. And, and although they were dying of thirst, there was water right there. And he showed her the water. And it doesn't give us details how, how they got through to the next place. But they did. God took care of them. Says she went, filled the skin with the water, and gave the boy a drink. And all we read the next verse, God was with the boys he grew up. He lived in the desert. He became an archer. (laughs) While he was living in the desert of Paran, his mother got a wife for him in Egypt. God keeps his promises. In the midst of the desert, appears to be no water, appears to be no way out. And suddenly, there's a little well. That's how God works, isn't it? Sometimes He just gives us enough strength to be able to see His provision, and that's it. But yet He works, and He carries through. All right, let me close this thing up with a couple of truths here. Uh, First, sinful consequences may stalk you, but they will not conquer you. Unless you allow them. Regrets can eat us alive. Past sins can rob us of our strength. But we have to give them permission. God says that's not who you are. I forgave you as far as the east is from the west. So far have I removed those transgressions from you. Secondly... Marital disagreement will trouble you, but they can be great teachers if you're willing to learn. And really, in any relationship, troubles can be very painful, but they can also provide us with great lessons of what God can do for us. And one last one, personal regrets can discourage you, but they cannot cripple you if you choose to press on. There comes a point in the midst of our pain where we simply have to say, it's time to go on. It's just time to go on. You know what happens if we choose not to go on? You become grumpy and just hard to live with. I remember reading a book one time. I've never forgotten it. I don't remember anything else about the book, but I remember this guy praying, God, please help me not to become a grumpy, mean old man. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you keep your promises. Thank you for this single mom who was broken, that you provided a drink. 
You provided what she needed. And you do that for us, Lord. I thank you for that message of hope, even when we have really messed it up, that you are a God of compassion that loves us. And you showed that in this account. And Father, may we look to you, that God of compassion, in our lives, because we each have our tale, Lord, our story. But the greater story is the gospel. That's why we're able to be here, and that's why other people are able to find hope. And God, help us to remember that it always comes back to you. And no matter what we've done, we have a God who wants to give us the strength to go forward and just guide us. I pray this morning, maybe there's someone here who they've come to that place where they need to just say, Jesus, enter my life, forgive me of my sin, give me a new start. Because he promises to do exactly that when we humble ourselves before him and cry out to him. For your word says, O God, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So, Father, if that is the need, may we call to you this morning. Maybe there's another need. Maybe we just keep beating ourselves up. You have said no fishing allowed, but we keep fishing, looking for those sins that you've put in the depths of the sea. Father, remind us once again, they're forgiven by you. Help us to live in the strength we have, that others may see us, Father, not as we were, but as we are in Christ, and that they too might desire Jesus. I just pray you do that, Lord. Maybe someone needs to come to this altar and pray. Father, may there be a freedom to come and to pray at the altar. If we need to say something to your people about what you're doing in our lives, give us courage to do that. The simple fact is we want to follow you as you lead. So, Lord Jesus, as we stand and as we sing, guide us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.